Good evening, and welcome to the America First War Room. I'm Jim Renacci, Chairman of the American Greatness Fund. We're going to talk about a number of issues here at year end uh, that is going to be heard, talked about on the news, uh, talked about in Congress, or issues that affect every one of you. Uh, there's five real major issues. First is the omnibus bill, going to be discussed in the next couple of weeks. The second is the Twitter issues. Uh, now that uh, Twitter has been taken over by Musk, we're learning a lot of things. Third is inflation, still seems to be growing. Fourth is the debt, something we don't talk about. And finally, uh, Trump and some of the things he has said or done over the last couple of weeks that uh, has really caused some people to question what he's thinking about. So let's get started. Uh, let's talk first about the first clip and go ahead and let's run that clip. House Democratic liberals are dealing for at least $150 billion in new spending for a so-called giant omnibus bill, and that would wreak havoc on proper budget processes and end what little fiscal restraint currently exists. And it could well be much more, including a $1.6 trillion child tax credit expansion, which would provide parents with kids well over $100 billion a year with no work requirements. That's right, more welfare without work, which has become the radical democratic battle cry. Then there's more COVID money and Ukrainian aid and maybe some tax extenders all in, according to the Wall Street Journal editorial. Non-defense spending would rise another 10% on top of last year's 7%. And defense spending would increase nearly 10% on top of last year's 6%. This is not restraint. This will not restrain inflation. This will not provide any tax and regulatory supply side incentives by reducing the burden of centrally planned big government. And the rumor is Republicans in the Senate are going to go along with this spending spree. So let's talk about this. First off, let's make sure we understand where we're at today and why we're here. Back in September, when Congress could not get a spending bill authorized and approved, they kicked the can down the road with what I call uh, the continuing resolution. And I got to tell you, I served in Congress for eight years. That was the simple way of just kicking the can down the road. I would not vote for the continuing resolution. I did vote for one uh, at the request of President Trump. But I can tell you what a continuing resolution basically does is it says, look, we're spending $6 trillion a year. Uh, let's divide that up by 365 days and let's multiply that amount out for how many days we need and let's just authorize that amount of spending. So in September, uh, actually September, uh, I think it was September 16th, but I'm not sure, sometime in September, they passed a continuing resolution, Congress did, that said, we're gonna spend to what we normally what have been spending all the way to December 16th. We're going to kick the can past the November elections, and we're going to then deal with this in December. Well, guess what? December's here. And now Congress, the House, and the Senate is having a difficult time coming up with a resolution to fund the budget. They have a couple options. Uh, and what's interesting, one of them they call the omnibus. Now, what's an omnibus? 
A lot of people don't realize that. I'm going to read you the definition of an omnibus. Uh, a volume containing several novels or other items previously published separately. Amazing. That's exactly what they're talking about doing. An omnibus really is where you take certain spending items, whether it's defense, and let's say they appropriated X amount of dollars for the, for the Defense Department. What they'll do in an omnibus is they'll come in and they'll say, well, we're going to spend, we're going to attach so much spending for the military because we've already approved that, so much spending for agriculture or whatever the issues are. And then in the end, whatever's left over, we're just going to do a continuing resolution for everything else that's left. Now, sometimes you can actually do an omnibus. Remember, there are 12 spending areas, appropriation areas in the federal government. Sometimes you could go out and do six of them. And then you say, well, the other six, we're just going to do a continuing resolution. That's why they call it an omnibus. Again, not the way government should work, but that's what you're going to hear on the news. You're going to hear a lot about, well, an omnibus bill. We've already passed defense spending, so we're going to throw that in. We've already passed this. But guess what? They haven't passed a budget and they haven't passed a spending bill. So what they'll end up doing is putting a couple pieces into a package and then layering it with a continuing resolution top layer and saying, this is an omnibus and we have to pass it. Now, if they don't pass it, guess what happens? The government shuts down. And of course, no one in Washington wants that to occur. And nobody in Washington wants to be there past Christmas. So what always happens in Washington, and I said this when I was there, it was one of the most frustrating things for me. You know how you get things passed? You put them right in front of a holiday because people want to get home for the holidays. They haven't done their work all year. They don't have a budget. They don't have appropriation bills. And by the way, we can blame the Democrats for that, but we can blame Republicans as well, because when I was in Congress, we passed over 32 continuing resolutions as a Republican House. It's not right. It shouldn't be done. But that's what you're going to be hearing about a lot on the news. How do we fund the government going forward, actually through the Christmas year? Now, We'll see what happens. But remember, omnibus just means there are certain things that were passed. We're going to package it in and uh, throw it into a, a continuing resolution line item. Let's say $6 trillion. By the way, who would have ever thought we'd be talking about a $6 trillion federal spending? Or the other thing you'll hear is, well, let's kick the can down the road one more time. We've already done it. We kicked the can from September to December. Let's just kick it again until January. Don't be surprised if we don't get what I call an omnibus, which is not a really good spending bill anyway, that you get a continuing resolution and they just kick the can down the road to another time. Democrats would love that because they'll kick it into a Republican-controlled House of Representatives and let the Republicans deal with it. Republicans, on the other hand, are going to want to pass something so that they don't get stuck with this hot potato um, in 2023. And that's why you saw Larry Kudlow saying Republicans are willing to pass some of these omnibus spending bills as well. It'll be interesting to see in the end, it's not regular order. There needs to be a budget. There needs to be 12 appropriation bills. None of that's getting done in Washington. And that is really the problem going forward with our country and our government, our federal spending. We need to be, know what's going on and we need to be better prepared and we need to be telling our Congress people,
We want a budget, we want appropriations, and we want it done right. Let's look to the second. What we're learning tonight is downright appalling. Newly unearthed documents now prove that left-wing Twitter employees built blacklists of accounts that they didn't like and would, quote, prevent disfavored tweets from trending and actively limit the visibility of entire accounts or even trending topics all in secret without informing anybody on Twitter. For example, a prominent doctor from Stanford was secretly placed on the trends blacklist after he argued that COVID lockdowns would harm children. And meanwhile, our very own Dan Bongino, he was put on a search blacklist, limiting who could uh, search for his profile or tweets. He will join us and respond in just a minute. Now, Twitter also blocked Turning Point's uh, founder Charlie Kirk's tweets from being amplified. Apparently, Twitter handled up to 200 of these censorship cases each and every day. Twitter. We know what's going on now, and we have seen, uh, based on Elon Musk taking over Twitter, that there was a left-wing agenda to suppress a lot of things that were being said and were, were going out. And guess what? When you talk about oversight in Washington, this is one of the things we should have as a priority. Let's look at what was going on at Twitter. Let's look at uh, uh, what was the left-wing uh, was doing to suppress the First Amendment rights of conservatives across our country. Let's make sure that uh, free speech is available to everyone, whether it's on Twitter, Facebook, and all of those things. And let's make sure that Congress sets that as an agenda item. Yeah, we'll be talking about it till from now till the end of the year. It is a new issue that should be and something we should have oversight on. And clearly, we don't know all the details yet, so let's do some deep digging into that area. But when it comes to oversight, let's make sure that we're focusing on things that are important, that are important to the American people. This is, this isn't a First Amendment issue. I'm going to tell you, our spending is another thing we should be focusing on. We're going to talk about that uh, next as well. But uh, let's, let's make sure this is an issue that... Uh, we get our Republican House to start doing oversight on, uh, but let's make sure we find out exactly what was going on with Twitter and make sure that our First Amendment rights are never taken away from us in the future. Let's look at the third item that's important yet year end. I'll tell you, it's a lot harder to get from you know six percent to three to the two percent that we need to be at than it was to get it down from 9%. So I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is I don't think that this fight against inflation is over by any means. I think it's not just the Fed's job to bring inflation down, but we need to, let's not forget that what caused this massive inflation was the massive $4 trillion of spending. And the question, right. of course, is will this new Republican House of Representatives, when they take the gavel in January, will they start to bring that uh, spending spree to a halt. I, I can't answer that question. I don't know, Neil, because this is Christmas season, and I've said it on your show last week that you know Republicans like to play Santa Claus just as much as the Democrats do. Interesting, inflation, and you're right. It's about spending. Uh, we now have a Federal Reserve raising interest rates. We're going to see probably another half a point in interest rates uh, raised this week, uh, but way too late. 
They should have been doing this years ago. You know the reason they didn't? The fear of raising interest rates also raises our national debt. But at the same time, we're on a spending spree and it is Christmas time. You're going to hear a lot about that. And Republicans are also willing to sign these omnibus bills with trillions of dollars of spending, all kind of money that's going to be able to be spent across our country, which, by the way, when you're spending money that you don't have, you're adding it to the national debt. At the same time, you're causing inflation. Think about what we're doing to our children and grandchildren. We are on a runaway debt, $31 trillion. And at the same time, that debt is caused by Republicans and Democrats in the House and the Senate spending money we don't have, adding it to our debt, and causing inflation to skyrocket. So how do we get it under control? Sure, raise the interest rates, that's one thing. But we got to get our spending under control. Gets back to the first thing I talked about. We're going to have an omnibus or continuing resolutions. None of those, none of those, I bet, will have spending cuts in them. I may be wrong, but let's keep an eye on that. The only way we're ever going to get our house in order and also get inflation down is to get this runaway spending brought back down. We need a balanced budget in Congress. We need to make sure that we're not spending $6 trillion and only bringing in $4 trillion. Remember, what's so interesting about this is that we have had massive inflows of tax revenue, even during the Trump years. But even those revenues that filled our treasury were not enough to cover our spending. And as many people know, even during the Trump years, we had massive deficits, some of the largest deficits during those years as well. Now we could say some of that was for COVID spending. I get it. But some of it is just because we have spending that is on autopilot across our country. And until we get that spending under control, the drivers of the debt, Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, interest, until we get those drivers of the debt under control, we're going to continue to push dollars and dollars and dollars out there that are going to cause inflation. I was with an economist just a month ago, a Democrat economist that said, the only way we're ever going to stop inflation, and I didn't like hearing this, but is to make sure that unemployment skyrockets. Now think about that. Unemployment skyrocketing. This was a Democrat economist who said, if you can increase the unemployment, you slow down the spending. But guess what, folks? Those are individuals that would cut, that would cut their spending. If the federal government continues to spend on top of that, it doesn't matter. What we really do need is a few things. We need to make sure that we're cutting our spending across the government sectors, federal, state, local. I'm seeing it even here in Ohio. We got a state government that's already adding up more money in spending. You know why? It got it from the federal government. We have local governments here, even in my community, willing to raise uh, salaries 11, 15, you know, percent, because guess why? They have COVID relief dollars. This is not going to help inflation. In fact, it's going to continue to cause inflation to skyrocket. It's a real problem. We got to get our spending in Washington under control as one of the levers to fix inflation. If we don't, inflation will continue to run rapid. It's going to be an issue 
through the end of this year and probably most of next year. Let's look at our fourth topic, the debt. And Rick, I do understand what you mean. Sort of once you sort of hear 10 trillion, 20 trillion, your, people's eyes start to glaze over and be like, okay, but how is that actually affecting me today? What are some of the ways that as you're having sort of conversations around the kitchen table that people would actually see it affecting their everyday life? I mean, I'm going to I might actually challenge the premise that people are having conversations around the kitchen table <laughs> about this. I mean, it, people kind of have it, have it in mind that the United States has too much debt, but nothing bad keeps happening. So uh, I'm, I'm not I, I just feel like this is probably faded as a as a kitchen table issue, especially yeah. since it, now that inflation uh, is such a big deal. I mean, you know, there are these polls over time. What's the biggest uh, factor in the economy that you're worried about? They ask voters. Um, it used to be the, used the debt. Sometimes it comes in the top five. I don't think it, people care as much. Well, anymore. Republican politicians used to use this a lot and used to care about it a lot. And then they started out spending Democratic presidents. Right. And then we're all in on it now. So yeah. then. He's exactly right. Republicans used to talk about it all the time. They used to say the runaway debt is a problem because of Democrat spending. Now, Republicans aren't talking about it because Republicans have also been part of the runaway spending. And that's a real issue. We talked about it a little earlier when I talked about inflation. I mean, the runaway debt is causing we're spending and spending and spending a tremendous amount of dollars. Think about it. In 2010, I ran for Congress. The biggest issue was our national debt at $10 trillion. Today, we've crossed 31 trillion and Republicans and Democrats don't want to talk about it anymore. They want to ignore it. You know why? There is no simple solution. And in fact, it's easier to get reelected by just spending more money. Everybody just gets into it, whether it's a Democrat or a Republican. Let's just spend money because nobody's paying attention to the national debt anymore. Remember that clicker that we all used to see? It's still out there. It's just not something that people are paying attention to. And the national debt will become a problem at some point in time. You know, in 2012, and I know I've said this on one of my past podcasts, a controller general, a Democrat, appointed by Barack Obama, came to my office in Washington and said, Congressman, I'm glad you're talking about the national debt, because I believe in the next 20 years, it will be one of the things that brings the United States down on its knees. I also remember back in 2010, uh, a general said that one of the most dangerous things in our country, but it's not China, it's not Iran, it's not Iraq, it's our national debt. Because once our national debt gets to a point where we can't service it any longer, we're going to have some serious problems. And we're almost there right now. Now, for those of you that say, oh, just get rid of the national debt. It's just a paper transaction. Well, think about this. Out of the 31 trillion, I think five to seven trillion is owed to other countries. I'm not sure they're going to want you to let that national debt go away and, and they're going to want repaid. The rest of it is actually owed to us. It's owed to people who have retirement accounts. It's borrowings against Social Security. It's borrowings uh, against the federal, you know, whenever you invest in federal treasuries. I'm not sure that every American even understands that even if they have a little retirement account, just a little retirement account, that many times 
there are federal treasuries inside of that account. So if you eliminate the national debt for those that say, oh, just let it go, let it go, it doesn't matter, you're going to be bringing down retirement accounts across our country. It is impossible, in my opinion, to just eliminate the national debt. The only answer is to pay down the national debt. But until Republicans and Democrats start realizing that we just can't spend money uh, that we don't have and push it off to future generations, I'm going to tell you, I was on the budget committee. My last speech on the budget committee was looking at every Republican say, you all are going to, one of the reasons I'm leaving, because nobody seems to want to control this spending. And someday you're all going to look back and say, you were part of the national debt crisis. Now, most of those members aren't even on the budget committee anymore. I chuckle because I go back to Washington or I, I see the, my former colleagues and all those people have left the budget committee. Nobody wants to be on a budget committee anymore. You know why? It doesn't do anything. The budget committee should be one of the most important committees in Washington because it should be the one trying to slow down the national debt. And the Appropriations Committee, they as well should be a very important committee because both the Appropriations and the Budget Committee should be working to cut spending so that in the end, we can reduce the national debt. And for those of you, and there are some out there that believe, ah, just raise taxes on the wealthy and that debt will go away. That's just not true. You could raise taxes on everybody making over 200000 a year. You could tax them 100% of their earnings and you'll still have a deficit. What that means, folks, is we have a spending problem in Washington, not a revenue problem. We have had some years where our revenues have been record revenues, yet we've had record spending as well. We need to fix this. We need to get it under control. And we need Republicans, now that we control the House, to start getting back to regular order, doing budgets, doing appropriation bills, and looking to the future of our country to make sure, as the Controller General said in 2012, that we don't bring the United States down to its knees in the next 20 years. That was 10 years ago, by the way. We only have 10 more years left. But at the pace the national debt is going, we will have some serious issues in the next 10 years. And let's not forget, we're raising interest rates to try and slow down inflation. Every interest rate increase is also an increase to our national debt. I think it used to be a 1% increase in interest rates amounts to $2 trillion over 10 years to our national debt. I don't know if that number is still accurate, but that's what we used to talk about in 2017 and 2018. National debt is a crisis. We better start talking about it. And it should be one of the top priorities of this Congress. I know we're going to have oversight. And I know you're hearing, well, we can't do anything but oversight, oversight. We're going to oversight. We're going to oversee what Biden did. And we're going to oversee what Hunter Biden did. You know what? I'm not saying that's not important. But at the same time, we should be able to walk and chew gum at the same time, especially if you're in Congress. And that means you should be able to also do your oversight, but allow the other committees. Remember, the oversight committee might only be 40 members. 
you got, you know, 200 plus more uh, total Republicans. She got almost 160 Republicans left. Why don't we start working on the national debt and try and get it under control? It's going to be one of the issues of the future. It's going to be something that should be talked about, even though it isn't. Out here. I don't understand what our former boss is doing. I love the guy, but I do not understand Kanye West hanging out with white nationalists, hanging out with anti-Semitic people, talking about ending the Constitution or postponing the Constitution. I don't get it. I don't know why he's saying it. And if he says it, why hasn't he given, you know, apologized for it or, or corrected the record or something? Because he's losing support left and right. I hear it everywhere. Look, for me, me, this one's easy. There is no place for a seat at the table, let alone in a, a polite American discourse for the kind of white supremacy that this Nick Fuentes person who, yeah. like the president, I didn't know anything about him before either, but it took me about 10 seconds to figure him out once I needed to research him. And I'm very concerned that there, there isn't a system in place where the president isn't buttonholed into sitting across the table at Mar-a-Lago, where you and I have been many times, mm -hmm. having dinner with him, Larry, a system in place where folks are vetted and then seated, and there are no surprises at the last moment because your guest is bringing another guest. They're exactly right. <laughs> Let's face it. President Trump uh, has had some recent setbacks. When I was in Congress, I knew exactly who I was sitting down for dinner with. You had to know. And you had to make sure that you didn't put yourself in a position that actually lost supporters because you sat down with somebody who was anti-Semitic. Let's face it. There is no place for that in the Republican Party. There is no place for that. And yet, if you're sitting down to dinner with somebody who believes it, speaks it, talks about it, um, it's a real problem. And I think the president as Larry Kudlow said, probably should apologize for that. Look, people make mistakes. I get it. And the president, we're all human. We're all going to make mistakes. The problem is you got to apologize for some of those events. And then you got to look at your staff and say, why did this ever happen? How did I ever, you know, sit down with this individual? Again, these things will happen. It's Washington. There'll be times you'll sit down with people um, that maybe weren't vetted 100% the way they should be. But here's a perfect example. Um, the president needs to apologize for that. And the idea of suspending the Constitution, look, there is nobody in the America First agenda or the MAGA movement that believes we should be suspending the Constitution. You all know we should be living the Constitution. We should be working the Constitution. We should be believing in the Constitution and everything we should do should be based on the Constitution. And there is nowhere, no way that we should be talking about suspending the Constitution. The president's had a rough couple of weeks. His companies uh, had, to, had to admit to tax fraud. You know, he has the issue at Mar-a-Lago with uh, documents. These are all things that, let's face, the left-wing media will continue to hammer this president. But what he needs to do is make sure that at least he's not doing it to himself. And that's really the problem. It's bad enough to be tacked by the left and the left-wing media. It's going to happen. President Trump is always going to have 
the left-wing media attacking him. But when he does things that self-inflict his own pain, that's a serious problem. And hopefully he'll get the advisors around him that he needs, not step into this like he's done in the past, and even apologize for some of the comments. Look, I 100% thank President Trump for running. I believe he did the right thing at the right time in 2016. He stopped the left-wing agenda. He stopped Hillary Clinton. He brought the MAGA movement, the America First movement, to the American people. And he had some great policies. And for that, he should be, you know, we should all thank him and he should be commended for. Those were great things that President Trump did for this country. If he wants to run again in 2024, and he will have competition, there is no doubt there are already people talking about stepping up and getting involved in this primary. He has to make sure that he always is talking about the America First agenda and the MAGA movement, which is what got him elected in 2016. So we'll be following President Trump. We'll be following a lot of these issues as we get through year end. And also those that are already starting to talk about getting involved in the presidential primary. Just yesterday, it was announced that Governor DeSantis was having a roundtable discussion with all of his large donors. You can bet that was a discussion about whether he's going to run for president. And there are so many others out there that are also talking about running. So it won't be easy for President Trump. But what it will be easy is every one of them is going to be running on the MAGA movement and the American First agenda. That's President Trump's agenda. And what he needs to do is just make sure he continues to talk about that because that is what's most important to Americans. That's what's most important to our country is getting our country back to where it's America first and it's make America great. With that, I want to thank you for joining me this evening. Again, the AmericanGreatnessFund.com. Uh, please, if you want to see what we're doing, go to that uh, site, join. And again, you'll see all the programs we'll be doing in the future. So again, I want to thank you. God bless you. And God bless you all for listening in.